0: Well, Merry Christmas to you guys. Um, I want to add my welcome as well. If I haven't had the opportunity to meet you yet, if you are here visiting um, family from out of town or maybe you're a neighbor who's come with some friends to grace and peace tonight, my name is Tim Udage. Um, We're so glad that you're here. This is a, a service that I know many of us look forward to every year. I look forward to it, um, certainly, because it's a night where, um, it, that's full of wonder and it's full of imagination. Uh, That we, as we've already heard so many times in the service, the thought that God would not stand aloof, but he would actually come down, that he would take on flesh. One of the things that, um, this may sound a little funny, I'll bring us back around in a minute to, to why I'm talking about this. But one of the things that I've always been fascinated by is the thought of what it would have been like to be one of the first astronauts to enter into space. Uh, you may have some people out there who kind of geek out about this. Uh, what, what it, you know, at the time, um, there maybe were a few pictures from satellites looking back at Earth. But I wonder what it would have been like for the first time uh, to be in a shuttle or whatever they called it. Um, and as it turned, as it entered into orbit to in that little portal, to be able to look back and to see planet Earth with your own eyes. And how crazy that would have been. And so I want you to use your imaginations tonight. Kids, I want you to think about this as well. I want you to think about what would it be like if you were from a galaxy that is far, far away. And you knew nothing about planet Earth, but you encountered it for the first time. And you had the ability to look at this planet in such a way that you could turn it and you could, you could see it as everything's going on, just as it does, but you could turn it, you could see it, and you could zoom in in different places at any time that you wanted to. And you may go, Tim, that's Google Earth. Have you never used it before? I have, but think about it as you've never seen it before. And what would you see if you zoomed in? I mean, you might zoom in and you would see the Rocky Mountains for the first time. And you would think, this is amazing, right? how glorious and how majestic these mountains are. And you might look a little bit to the west of them and you would see the Grand Canyon and how glorious it was. And you look over to the east and you see the Smoky Mountains and how wonderful they are. And you'd see mountains and rivers and lakes. But then you also might see just maybe a little bit north of the Smoky Mountains and you would find mountains that have been cut off at the top. And you would find forests that seem lush and then all of a sudden they've just been wiped clear. And you would see these vast oceans, and you would think, "What is this floating in the middle of the ocean?" As you zoom down, you might find that it's just a, it's just an entire island of trash. And then maybe you would go, "Well, let me see what these creatures are up to." And you would zoom in on these human beings, and you would think, "Well, these are lovely creatures." And, and here's the thing: we are. We're made in the image of God, and you would think these are beautiful creatures, and, and look at and some of the ways in which they're caring for one another, and what, some of the ways in which they're loving one another, and they're providing for one another, and then you might also see a flash over in the distance, and you, and you look at it, and, and it's, it's war, that there's bombs that, that are going off, that there is, and then you zoom in on individual lives, and you might find lying and cheating and, and, and great abuse. And as you zoom back out, you might start to think that, well, this world that is so beautiful, in so many ways, this planet, is also incredibly ruined. And it seems to be, even though it's beautiful on the surface, that as you really zoom in, there's so much darkness that it's shrouded in darkness. And then maybe there is a beam of light that catches your eye. And you you turn to it and you start to zoom in on that beam of light. And you can't tell if this beam of light is actually coming from this planet or if it's actually shooting down onto the planet. And as you zoom in a little bit closer, what you actually find is a scene that's much like the one that is on the front of your bulletin tonight. That it's not in a place of of great power. It's not in one of the biggest cities. It's not in the midst of a palace. It's not coming from... Uh, The places where kings and and royalty are, but it's actually a, a young girl who's sitting in a cave or in a barn, and she's holding a child. And there's these ratty old shepherds around her, and they're all and they're all adoring this child. And you realize there's something about this light that is so powerful and so radiant that you're almost sure of it, that it's going to take over everything. That there's something about it that's going to change everything. There was a poet, a Japanese poet, um, who lived about 1,200 years ago, whose name was Azumi Shaikubi. My Japanese is rusty, so I might be a little off on that. But he wrote this tiny little poem, this one, one stanza, And it captured this feeling that that I was just describing in this way. He said this, Although the wind blows terribly here, the moonlight also leaks between the roof planks of this ruined house. Although the wind blows terribly here, the moonlight also leaks between the roof planks. Can you see it? Of this ruined house. Many years later, the, the songwriter Leonard Cohen who is a poet in his own right, said famously, there's a crack in everything. And that's how the light gets in. Isaiah, tonight we heard just a few moments ago, who is a poet in his own right, is certainly, and a prophet. He describes the feeling of the people of God that these people have been walking in darkness for so long and then all of a sudden they see this radiant light. Those who dwelt in a a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. And he describes the the war and the tumult, right? And the battles that have been going on. And then he says, what is this light? Well, for unto us a child is born. And unto us a, a son is given. And all of the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of his government, there will be no end. His kingdom will endure forever. And of course, John, who knew that child, who grew up to become the Savior of the world, who laid his head on that Savior's breast before that Savior went to his death, Started his gospel account of Jesus' life in the way that we just heard. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh. And this Word was actually in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will not, and has not, and shall not overcome it. That's why we gather every year on this night, and we sing songs together. We sing songs with, if you listen to the songs that we sing during this time, they're full of rich theology about the fact that God took on flesh and came and dwelt among us. This is why we can sing things like this, that the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. It's an astounding statement. The hopes and fears of everyone, of all the years, of all the things that we've been longing for are met in thee tonight for unto us a child is born. And you have to imagine that when Isaiah had first said this, that people may have looked at it a little oddly. They may have scratched their head and they may have thought, "What in the world can one child do in the midst of a world that seems so dark and so broken?" And so heinous in so many ways. What in the world can one little child do? It would be as if on, on one Sunday, we, you know, in the midst of, of all the things that are happening in the world, we held up one child and we said, this is the solution to everything. Or if you zoomed in on the Middle East right now and you and, you, and out in the af, um, outskirts in the midst of rubble that a, a young girl gives birth to a child and, and it's proclaimed, this child is going to stop all of this. That people might go, how in the world could that happen? How in the world, in the middle of nowhere, this little baby who was born to this poor girl, change anything? What's so unique about this child that we still sing about tonight, that we still gather together to sing about tonight? And I think it's this, is that he was born of a woman, just like you and I were. Everyone in this room was born of a woman. And he was born under the law, just like everyone in this room was. And yet in his entire life and from his conception, he was without sin. That he is truly, this is why he is radiant light in the midst of darkness, that he is truly without sin. That everyone born since Adam has only contributed in many ways to the darkness. We can't overturn it because we're naturally bent away from God. But this one Isaiah is saying is utterly different. This is the one that you've been longing for. This is the one you've been waiting for. This is the true king. And here's the thing. Christ isn't just born into the beautiful places of our lives. That he's born into the places that are ravaged with war. That he he isn't just born into the happy seasons of our lives. That he's born into the long periods of depression and grief and loss and hurt That he isn't just born into the places of prosperity, that he's born into the poorest of lives. And here's the thing, we can only receive him in the midst of our own poverty. And you go, well, what did this child grow up to do? Well, you all know, if you've read the Gospels, what Jesus did, that he waited a long time before he started his ministry. And I'm sure everyone thought... Um, what, what happened to those proclamations from the angels and the adorations of the shepherds and the wise men who came to see this one from Nazareth who was born in the middle of nowhere, what did he grow up to do? Even John at that point, John the Baptist, who proclaimed the coming, that let's behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world, had ended up in prison. And John said, can you send word to Jesus? Are you the one? Even John began to doubt. Or should we look for another? But Jesus sends word back to John, even in prison, go tell them what you see. What did this child grow up to do? Well, he meets people in the darkest places so that he can shine upon them. He touches lepers and they're healed, that he touches the blind and they see that he speaks to a little girl who is dead and she's raised to life again, that he casts demons out of a man who everyone had written off. He doesn't magically fix everything at once. And that's frustrating to us, isn't it? To see such glimpses of power and go, why don't you just fix it all at once? And Instead, what he does is give us bursts of light, pictures in the dark, of the darkness crumbling, pictures of what he came to do all the way up until he meets his death, the perfect light, the one who was born under the law, and the only one who ever kept the law, goes and hangs upon a Roman cross, and there he cries out, it is finished. And when he breathes his last breath, what happens? Darkness descends upon him. And you go, well, what's the point? Maybe you've heard all of that before. Maybe you've heard it a million times before. Why does it matter? Why not just talk? Why do we keep talking about the persistent darkness or political turmoil or rampant injustice Why don't we make Christmas simply about all the warm feelings of family and putting on cozy sweaters and sitting by the fire with a hot cup of tea and the perfect gift that you give to that person that you love. All of these things I love, and I know that you love them too. But we talk about the darkness because the darkness is real, and Jesus didn't storm into our lives just so that he could give us the lives that we want when we want them. He stormed into our lives so that he could swallow up Death forever. And isn't that the promise that life, that isn't the promise that life on this earth then is going to be easy, right? It isn't naive optimism that tells us that we pretend the darkness doesn't exist. Instead, it's this glorious flash of light that gives you a glimpse of what is to come and invites you to come on this journey along with Jesus, in the way of Jesus of kicking at the darkness until it bleeds light. You're invited to participate who belong to Jesus. Why? You go, why did he leave us? Well, he said, it's better that I leave you. And when he left, what happened? Right after Jesus ascends into heaven, there's this thing called Pentecost. And what happens is that these tongues of fire come down and rest upon his people. It's the Holy Spirit. Flames, burst of light that now indwell each one of us. They descended and rested on the heads of his people. The Holy Spirit now dwells in those who belong to Jesus. And the point is this, the light of Christ can never be put out because it is alive in you who belong to Christ. You belong to a kingdom that will never fail. The increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. The gates of hell will never prevail against it. The darkness will bang on the door. The failures and the death and the disease and the war and sin will continue to poke and to jab, but they will not prevail because this light can never be extinguished. You go back to the beginning and think about that illustration again and think about zooming out from that one point of radiant light and then noticing there's all of these other points that are beginning to light up and they're and they're just as radiant they seem to be the same type of light and eventually they begin little pinpoints all over this planet as you turn it and you look at it and you realize that this place that at one time seemed so dark is now so bright that you can't look at it it's like the sun Because it's been consumed by the one who is called the rising sun. The poet Malcolm Gite, I'll end with this, talked about the fact that Christmas, it sets the center, what we think is the center, at the edge. And it makes us realize that there's little points of light in here tonight who think you're worthless. You think you don't matter. You think you have nothing to offer. And yet you are the same radiant light that shone that night. And he says this he says, and from at the, Christmas sets the center at the edge, and from this day our world is realigned. A tiny seed unfolding in the womb becomes the source from which we all unfold and flower into being. We are healed. The end begins. The tomb becomes a womb. From now for now in him all things are realigned. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather here on this night and we can praise you and we can remember that no matter what we bring into this room, what grief or what fear or what pain or what hurt or what joy, Father, that the hopes and fears of all of us are met in you, are met in Jesus tonight. Father, I pray that you would help us as Um, We celebrate this season of Christmas over these following days that what we would relish in is the fact that you are not one who has stood far away from us and simply given us a list of things to do and told us to report back later. But you sent your only son into this world to do what we could never do and to die the very death that we deserve so that we could be raised with him to new life, which is exactly what has happened. Father, help us to go and live as that light in this world so that the light may reign over the darkness forever. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.